Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast, our off-season and lockout edition. I'm Joe Galena, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. Acknowledge him because he is a force to be reckoned with in the world of fantasy baseball. How's it going there, Scott? It's a weak force, but it's a force. Uh, doing, force doing pretty <laughs> doing pretty good, you know, uh, enjoying myself. I'm about to go to a curling tournament this weekend. Cool. Uh, the lupus spiel over at the four seasons curling club. It's a, uh, it's a charity event to raise money, um, for the let's care lupus foundation. So awesome. that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you get to like curl with like a celebrity skip. So I'll be curling with someone who has, um, I believe competed at the Olympics. Um, wow. I wish I remember who it was and I don't, uh, <clears throat> but, um, th- so that'll be a lot of fun and, you know, just hoping we get to talk about real baseball things happening right soon right. yeah because under normal circumstances right we'd, we'd be talking about the happening surrounding baseball's winter meetings right now right but uh you know and that's always like one of my favorite times of year because there's always a lot of activity trades and whatnot and, but uh hey you know with the lockout we all knew it was coming and uh, we're left to look back fondly on on that week's worth of free agent signings that led up to the work stoppage and and uh, also watching replays of old baseball games and Ken Burns uh, awesome baseball documentary on MLB Network. I mean, I missed the hot stove uh, show, but uh, I mean, I guess we could do mock drafts and you've got your baseball card collection to, to, to add to as well, right? Yeah, and I mean, this doesn't look as, so at, at this moment, it doesn't look as bleak as like 2020 where there was there was nothing we didn't even know if they'd play i mean technically we don't know if they'd play it does sound like there will they will be able to come to an agreement at some point mm-hmm. i'm not sure we're going to have an interrupted season we might but i i'm not expecting some kind of like crazy 60 game season or anything like that so it's just going to be a a dull early winter yeah i mean and like i've said on the past on this podcast man i really hope that there is no interruption to the start of the season because baseball can't afford it, right? Football so they're unpopular, so is basketball. Uh, MLB needs to start on time. I mean, and uh, you know, uh, fantasy implications of the lockout, man. What, what do you think? Uh, players not able to access MLB facilities right now, right? Uh, I'm sure they do most of their off-season conditioning on their own anyway. But hey, you know, if a player's coming off of a a wacky injury the where they uh, benefit from having access to the MLB facilities and uh, even just being able to have a zoom call with it, with a team trainer. I mean, I, I guess that's, you know, is that one way of looking at some of the implications uh, of the day-to-day aspect <clears throat> of this man? That, that's so hard to do. It's so hard to think about like we, we already have a really hard time knowing how a player will heal from injury. For example, so how could we even try to predict how well they'll heal from injury using their private doctors <laughs> right. instead of the team doctors, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, in fact, if they're a Met, I'll expect them to heal faster, right? Like, <laughs> Very good. I yes. mean, I, I, I don't really, I, I'm not going to lean into that too much. There's like this theoretical group of players who are on the 40-man roster because, th- for example, this doesn't impact minor leaguers. Because they're not part of the union. Right. So they're all, I mean, they can even still be traded. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm not worried about them. <clears throat> I'm worried about like fringy 40 man roster guys who are coming off a serious injury because they're in this position where it's not like Acuna who can afford whatever doctor he wants. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> or trout or something like that. It, it's going to be these guys that are like already borderline, like already like barely on the roster. And so they might be able to afford a doctor, but probably not close to what his team is able to provide. Right. So I guess if you really want something to research, I guess you could look for those players, mm-hmm. but even then you're not going to actually have, you're not going to learn anything. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have this group of players who might have more risk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've already kind of dealt with that a couple of years ago when we had that, you know, late start to the season, we were wondering, you know, not having access to uh, training facilities uh, when there was the COVID uh, situation, you know, we were worried about how players would be able to react on having to train uh, themselves. So uh, it's, I guess it's something to, to consider, I guess, but let's talk real quick about what's on the table in terms of negotiations. And we're not going to, we're not going to cover everything, of course, but obviously the MLB players association is going to push for an overhaul to the existing system where they're going to try to get their players to more money and earn it earlier in their careers, earn more money earlier in their careers. Just everyone knows under the current structure, players are first eligible for free agency. They have to play six full seasons, right? And in their first three seasons, they play right around the league minimum. And then after that, after three years, they're eligible for arbitration, which is ugly, right? And uh, basically, uh, the MLBPA, the, uh, the Players Association, uh, wants players to reach free agency after six years of service, not full seasons, but just six years of service or after five years of service. And if a player is 29 and a half years of age, whichever comes first, uh, they also want players to be eligible for arbitration after just two seasons instead of three. So it's money, right? Yeah. And it makes sense for the players too. Sure. Right? Like if you're 30 and you still haven't gotten a shot, mm-hmm. you should be, you know, you should be allowed to get a shot. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> go out, become a free agent. I, I like a lot of the things the player association players association wants to do. Um, the MLB union is a very unique union. Uh, the players union is very unique from a legal standpoint. Supreme court gave them some special permissions that <clears throat> other unions don't have. I do think this gets resolved. I think as far as fantasy goes, the big change is universal DH yeah. Um, and maybe the change to becoming free agent sooner because teams will be less inclined, you know, so if they, if they change it to actual years instead of service time, <clears throat> there's going to be less manipulation to do. Mm-hmm. Great point. So yeah. we may, mm-hmm. we may see less of that. We might, right. Mm-hmm. They might find some other way to screw with people, right. um, <clears throat> but we might see it. And finally, um, just, you know, the universal DH, that's the huge thing. We've mm-hmm. seen it once before. The difference is teams didn't know they were going to have a universal DH in 2020 until after they came back. Right. Right. So a lot of the NL teams didn't have a real DH because they didn't go into an off season or two or three planning on DHs. So I think, you know, immediately there will be some players who immediately shine as an NL DH because the team had a guy that can naturally step into that role. Mm-hmm. There will be teams that don't, 
they simply don't have a player to step into that role right now <clears throat> because they lost someone to free agency or whatever. They won't have anyone to step into that role. And it's probably going to be a few years before we see every team really having a true DH right. or platoon. Like DH is a weird position to platoon, but I guess you could because you have an excess number of field players, but we're going to, we're going to see those increases, but don't expect it just immediately predicting NLDH time in 2022 is going to be difficult for a lot of teams because they don't have a natural fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing is maybe you might get a, a prospect who's like on the fringe of making the team. And then all of a sudden, if there's a universal DH, there you go. You know, uh, you know, here's, here's uh you know, four or five starts in the lineup uh, in a week. So, but, but yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. It probably helps guys. Like the guys that helps the most are probably guys like Darren Ruff. Mm-hmm. who uh, like a first baseman corner outfielder for the giants who can swing a hot back bat from time to time, mm-hmm. but they strictly platoon him. Right. So with a DH spot, <clears throat> you could get him or his counterpart in the lineup more often mm-hmm. to balance your lineup, especially, you know, because you're, you know, you don't want teams to just relief pitcher you to death. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so you could get rough in the lineup more and it's like a, it's a weird Giants team that didn't have a lot of natural DHs anyway, but you know, team like teams that will be really weird for are like the Dodgers hmm. who already moved all their pieces around. So you end up with like a raise situation who use three different guys at DH <clears throat> and it doesn't actually help any one of them very much. Right. Cause they don't get enough of the playing time. So that'll be interesting. I think it'll also be interesting for NL catchers who can hit namely like a JT real Mudo. Who right. might who might instead of just missing those twenty games, thirty games, might DH half of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a yeah. small change, but we may see more catchers getting more playing time. Mm-hmm. Not like Sal Perez, but something. Right. And also, real quick, uh, another thing on the table is the expanded playoff structure, where uh, MLB is looking to have fourteen teams qualify, three division winners four wild card clubs from each league and uh it's going to be if they do accept this proposal it's going to be interesting because division winners uh could actually choose their opponent from uh the bottom three wild card clubs so that'd be like really interesting if that happens yeah it's almost like a reseeding process yeah, or yeah. whatever or like just skipping the seating like the way it works now, you sometimes run into where the wild card seed team is way more dangerous than, you know, the lower seeded wild card is actually way more dangerous because they were hot coming in and the other wild card team was cold, something like that. <clears throat> so you really want to go after, like you want to stay away from that team, right? right. Like they didn't get very far, but the Cardinals would have been a team I avoided because mm-hmm. they just couldn't stop winning games. Yeah. They had that. Hot they, streak. <clears throat> they went this crazy hot streak. I'm like, Oh, I'm not playing them. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to go after someone else. So let's see a little bit of that, but honestly, it's just going to make baseball more fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I love the expanded playoffs. I love more team. Like what we need are more teams trying to compete for longer. Expanded playoffs does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so does, I mean, it also helps that Atlanta came completely overhauled their whole roster uh, using the trade deadline and then won a world series that helps mm-hmm. too. Sure. Telling teams that, you know, you can actually win championships this way. 
just about every move they made worked in, you know, worked out for them. So it was pretty awesome. Uh, What's funny is they didn't work immediately. It did mm -hmm. not work right away. Right. It took some time. But eventually it did. And now they're the world champs. Right. Um, Another uh, interesting little twerk here. uh, MLB temporarily scrubbing references to players who were on 40 man rosters off of their social media websites. Almost like uh, in that Avengers movie where Thanos used the infinity gauntlet, just uh, snapped his fingers and half the world's population just disappeared just out of nowhere. Uh, these references to players in 40-man rosters kind of disappeared off of their uh, MLB social media websites. Yeah, and they're probably pretty bummed that they didn't remove all the references to the other type of baseball they used last season, right? <laughs> they really needed that. Like, that's what they really needed to go, yes. right? Like, they didn't need all the 40-man. Like, they really wanted that to disappear. And yeah. the snap happened, and it's still still around. We found out that they're using two different balls. I mean, I think that the... The MLB like scrubbing the references. That's just like that's like a union thing. Like the the players' association, like the players' union, owns a lot. Like has the rights to all that stuff. So ML like because in MLB and in baseball, it's weird that the teams are one set of licenses and the player names are another. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like this in college football as well, but we've seen the reverse of it. What? Well, actually, no. This is what we see in college football, right? Like up until very recently. They could, if you think about the old NCAA football games, you could do the teams and their team names and you could do numbers, but you couldn't name players right. with real names, mm-hmm. right? They couldn't do that for a long time because they didn't have licenses. They weren't allowed to license their likeness. But anyway, um, that's what's happening is that the players union owns the licenses to the players. Like they, they're the ones that give the licenses to the players. And when they're locked out of MLB, they don't give it to MLB. Right. So, and then, you know, there is the two baseball thing. Yes. You know, I, I was, I was, imp- I impressed myself with the joke, the transition. Very that was pro. great. I got to say, that was, that was a nice segue. Yes. The, the problem is it's not actionable fantasy news, right? Like they use two different balls, but we don't know exactly when they used each kind. Right. Right. And we don't know exactly what the difference was between them. Like, like we know the difference, but we don't know like whether it mattered. That much. Well, suppose like, the, the ball that they, that they intended to use, they wanted it to, to be this deadened ball, right? That didn't travel as much. But supposedly, due to COVID, the, the, the Rawlings production facility couldn't keep up with the demand that they needed for the 2020. Wait, a supply season. chain problem during COVID? No. <laughs> right? Yeah, go figure. So, yeah, supposedly they uh, just had to use uh, whatever inventory they had from year prior. And that was the juicier ball, the ball that, you know, traveled further so uh, again tough to kind of figure out for fantasy because we don't know exactly when or where they used the the deadened ball and when they had to switch over to that that juicier ball even if mlb told us when they used each ball would you believe them Uh, probably right like would you believe them right like there's just no there's not enough facts there for us to really do anything with it you would think it's, it would be smart on their part to, to to track it on their own since their goal is to try to influence oh fantasy is right? the only group that doesn't care fantasy <laughs> baseball is the only one who doesn't care we can't do anything with it but right. regular like being a regular fan of baseball being a team being an executive being a data design you want to know this crap you want to know all the inputs so you can understand the output um but for fantasy, because we have no way to know how the inputs affected anything, 
and what players even got the other ball and when and how right. did it affect pitches. We don't know any of that crap. So right. I'm ignoring it for the most part. Right. I'm, I'm one- remembering it because someone's going to mention it to me again and I need to know that it happened. Right. right. But remember supply chain. That's the, that's the, that's the answer, right? Is the yeah, it's like, it's like remembering like <laughs> my, like my brother's last girlfriend's name. Like I know he had one and I remember that, but I don't remember her name. Like it was generic. I remember it was like Amanda or Ashley or something. I wonder right? if he remembers her name, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I'm going to remember and, that there were he's ladies, man. He just, you yeah. know, moves on and yeah, I don't have that many to remember and I still don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, that's the thing is I'm going to remember that there were two different balls mm-hmm. and I'm not really going to care otherwise. Right. And I remember my brother dated some chick who was different <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> and I'm sure she was great. I'm sure she is great. And I hope she's happy and has a great family and everything that she got away from my idiot brother. <laughs> she's the so, real winner here. The one thing we do know is that uh, on, was it June 21st? Baseball started to crack down on the sticky stuff, and it did kind of make a difference, right? So, you know, I was looking, you know, because I'm home recovering from COVID, so I had a little relation <laughs> time. So I was looking at some of the offense, you know, from April 1st to June 20th. League batting average was 239. And uh, after that, once they started cracking down after June 21st, league average went up to 248 from then forward. Uh, ISO. Uh, also went up by 10 points once they uh, started to crack down on the sticky stuff. So that we, we could me- measure. Is that something that's on your, your radar or no? Okay. 10 points, like 10 points of ISO just isn't anything. Yeah. Right. Like it, it only affected certain pitchers because we don't know definitively everyone who used it mm-hmm. and not everyone did. There's probably still stuff they are using. Right. Yeah. They're going to find a way, right? They're, they're going to find a way. Yes. Right. Some of them might be. Mm-hmm. And also it affected some types of pitches more than others. You have to get really granular before you really start getting like valuable, valuable, potentially actionable news. When you find like a certain pitcher who was using the stuff and relies on very specific types of pitches, mm-hmm. or you find a hitter who struggled with like high spin, uh, like high spin slash like rising fastballs. Those are harder to do without the sticky stuff. Right. So like you can find very specific things that are, you know, sort of interesting, but there's just not enough. Like it, it wasn't, well, you know, we didn't see, I mean, the one guy who might've been affected by it the most found another reason to not play baseball this year. So like he was probably going to be the biggest story. Um, you know, over in Los Angeles, uh, the guy, they, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Right. Like that's, you know, Garrett Cole was still really good. Mm-hmm. Like even when he struggled a little, he was still really good. Well, he was definitely affected. Yeah, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, the, the ace a- after that. You know, he kind of after a while, he kind of got better. But there was that that time right when they started you know the the crackdown uh and there was also that ugly uh press conference uh, poor guy felt very very bad for him when he tried to explain away uh you know you know and answer questions about it but i don't know but uh why don't we uh move on this is gonna be just a, qu- a quick podcast by the way we're recording this december 
8th, uh, the evening, uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, busy, busy time right before the lockout there, Scott. Uh, I mean, it would take us a few hours just to go over every single deal. But uh, let's talk about uh, the Texas Rangers, who are one of the more busy teams. They made some some big moves, uh, signed Corey Seager, 10-year, $325 million. Uh, dollar contract, Marcus Simeon, seven year, hundred seventy five million. That's twenty five million per. Uh, John Gray, pitcher, formerly of the Rockies, four year, fifty six million. Even signed Cole Calhoun for a one year deal, uh, five point two million with a team option. Mets made some big deals, right? Max Scherzer gave him three years, 130 million, 43.3 million for a guy who'll turn 38 years old this year. Obviously still one of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, but also had that dead arm in, in the playoffs last year. Stalin Marte, four years, 78 million. Eduardo Escobar, now they need to hire a, a manager. Scherzer's saying, hey, make it uh, make it be Buck Showalter and we'll see he's going to be interviewed. And your Tigers, man, your Tigers. Javier Baez, six year, hundred forty million. I mean, like I said, too many deals to talk about. But uh, you know, any of these really, you know, strike a chord with you in terms of wow, this is awesome, or you know, what was this team thinking? I mean, first of all, I'm glad you didn't bury the lead with the one year deal by the Texans for Cole Calhoun. Uh, <laughs> that's I think that's the first time I've heard it mentioned uh, out loud. Um, but no, I mean, Cole Calhoun's a you know decent player. He's left-handed. He's let off before, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting to see team. To, it was interesting to see teams make big, make a big splash on free agents before the lockout. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's a little telling, right? Number one, it's likely telling that they know they are going to play eventually. Right. Um, because if you think about COVID, they didn't even start negotiating for a while. We didn't even start talking about whether they were going to even play baseball. Certainly no one was getting signed right. in May last year, right? That wasn't happening. It was just a complete freeze out. So there's a little bit of a good sign there. I think that in Texas, um, I'm really confused by their strategy right now because they've added these like impact top of the order bats and that's cool. But like the rest of their team is still terrible. Hmm. Like it's, it's really bad. So a lot of money left. I mean, they only had $28 million in, in uh, committed to salaries before they made these, these deals. So they still have plenty of money and they got that new ballpark, you know, it's only a couple of years old. So maybe they're not done. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kershaw. Kershaw is from Dallas. Don't, don't assume he's going to go back to the Dodgers. I mean, they might not be done, but I understand that you, you might be confused. I mean, they still got a, lo- a long way to go. I mean, yeah. So they they can sign Clayton Kershaw too. So I'll give him Kershaw and Dre, uh, Gray. Who are the other three pitchers they're going to sign? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the pitching steer still is really rough. Like off the top of your head, like anyone listening right now off the top of your head, I already gave you John Gray. I'll give you him again. Just try to name the five projected start starting pitchers for the Rangers right now. Um, just try it in your head, thinking, thinking, well, it's John Gray, Dane Dunning, Taylor Hearn, AJ Alexey, who you haven't heard of. I haven't heard of him. Maybe you did. You didn't, though. Uh, and did. then Spencer. And then Spencer Howard, who was a former prospect from the Phillies, 
who hasn't quite panned out yet, but you know, he was, uh, he was traded last season. So those are the guys. Those are the guys. Um, I, I don't see it yet. Like, even if you look at the lineup now, after the additions, who leads off for this team? Willie Calhoun? Nick Solak? Andy Ibanez? I mean, the like, this, this lineup is thin. It has maybe one and a half good right-handed hitters in it. Um, with Marcus Simeon being good and Adolis Garcia being a half. Hmm. Um, cause you know, we've already seen him come back to earth a little bit. Sure. I, that That's the thing that stuck out to me is what is Texas doing? Like, I feel that they are much further away than these signings, which is just now they did sign younger players, right? I mean, Cole Calhoun's not young, but Marcus Simeon's only 31. Cole Corey Calhoun Seager struck a chord with you, man. <laughs> Cole Cal. I mean, Cole Calhoun is uh 34. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't played much lately when he has played. He hasn't played well. That felt like a Texas signing mm. that made sense. He fits in. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He actually did have a really good season in uh, the couple actually years like he had some power mm-hmm. in 2019 and 2020. And then he was hurt for most of 2021 and mm-hmm. just didn't hit very well. Uh, and his batting average has been terrible. Um, I think the steamer projection on him, which is like a hundred games batting 227 and slugging 415 with an exactly 100 WRC plus. That sounds right. Mm. Um, that's just who Cole Calhoun is now. He's a lefty. You can only play him against righties. He's probably not as fast as he used to be, but whatever. That's what didn't make sense. A lot of the other moves made sense. Um, I think people wanted the Tigers to go after Carlos Correa, and there's still talk that they might. Mm. But otherwise, I mean, I think teams made some big splashes, tried to lock in these contracts now because they might be more expensive later. And it's sort of a sign these contracts because I know what it means right now. Like it's the devil I know. And the new agreement is the devil. I don't. Right. So generally you're going to pick the devil, you know? So, um, I mean, I think those are big, you know, the other fantasy relevant one, now that I've rambled on, I think the other fantasy relevant thing I've been thinking about is the Mets almost never stole bases last season. They only had 54 that put them in like the bottom five or bottom six of the league. Well, actually it was tied for fifth fewest, right. With Minnesota and Baltimore. Um, and Buck Showalter was not known for his aggressiveness on the base pads either. So that could be an issue for Starling Marte. Right. Like Oakland was the perfect fit. They just let him run wild. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that I, was, I was huge. Yeah. And the Mets probably won't. Um, now they might new manager. Well, we'll have to see who that new manager is, but they did Buck? not, they did not run much in 2021. Um, and I don't think they ran a ton. I'm going to double check right now. They did not run a ton in 2022 or sorry, in 2020, <laughs> right? They were right. still, still in the bottom. What is this? Like bottom seven in the league in stolen bases. This isn't a team that runs, uh, like they only stole 20 bases in those 60 games and they hit 272 as a team, hmm. right? Like they had guys on base. They just didn't run. So that's a concern for me because that's Marte's huge value point. And that's what made him such a great story in Oakland because he was still on the base for you every day. Right. And right. He, like he single-handedly got people. And a guy you know, who's like how many, 32 years old when, you know, you think that he's going to kind of slow down at this point, but just running wild last year. How, how many Roto points did that guy earn in a month? Mm. Right. 
like across the board, that was huge. So it's, it, you know, him going to the Mets is probably like the worst possible outcome for him. Not many teams run less than that. Like maybe the twins and Baltimore, but that was it. So we'll see how that goes. But those were probably my two biggest takeaways. I don't understand what's going on in Texas and that Starling Marte will still be good, but this was probably the worst destination for him. Yeah, you bring up a great point, especially if a player like a Marte moves from one organization to another and he has that specific skill set that we fantasy players crave and, and always are looking for, and that's stolen bases. And does that fit in to the style of play of the manager that he's going to be playing for? And like you mentioned, uh, were you happy with the Baez, by the way? I, I was. Yeah. I like Javi Baez. I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. Fantasy wise, yeah, there's warts. Even real life wise, there's a lot of warts with the, the thumbs down ex- stuff. That I, I can't. Ex- yeah, yeah, the extreme aggressive swinging. But is there a, like if you had to name a player in MLB with swag, does it, do you start with Javi Baez? I feel like you start with Javi Baez. He's top five. Yeah, top three. Yeah, he's got yeah, him like Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple other guys, but like those. Those really stood out. At the, you know, he stands out at the top to me. It's just a guy who's fun. I love Javi Baez. Um, I, I think, you know, fantasy-wise, it hurts. You know, he probably gets a little bit of, you know, he gets a little bit of a boost offensively, but not in home runs. Mm-hmm. So he, I do think he has as many or more total bases. It's a huge outfield for balls to find the grass. It just also makes it hard to hit home runs. Right. One thing I did want to say about Starling Marte before I get too far off, because I just remembered this and it's just a classic example of the Mets being the Mets and why you should be slightly concerned for Starling Marte. Um, They might not even lead him off, which would severely hamper his ability to steal bases. They might go with their on-base percentage machine, Brandon Nemo. And if they do that, then Starling Marte is then hitting behind him, which is great for like getting extra RBI. Right. It is not great for stealing bases because Nemo will be sitting on first base because he probably walked there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's annoying, too. So I, I just wanted to finish airing my grievances about Marte going to the Mets. Um, but at least they drove a dump truck full of money to his house. So, yeah, yeah they got plenty. Cohen's got plenty. Um, I just wanted to bring up uh, Corey Seager. You, you talked about the Rangers and whatnot. I, I did check you know, see if these ADPs changed much from when some of these players signed them, you know, and after the one thing that was interesting about Corey Seager, you know, his overall ADP didn't change drastically. And and we're looking at NFBC ADPs at this, at this stage, but before the signing, his ADP was, his overall ADP was 70 after the signing, it went to 80. So, you know, seems a high stake player is not too thrilled with him signing with the Rangers. But when you look at his max and min, uh, where he's going for his minimum pick, his max pick, before the signing, he went as low as 33rd overall, which means that that's like a third round. And then after the signing, his min pick was 63, which is, and I, I go by a 12-teamer, sixth round. So, Seems like the high state players not too thrilled with where Corey Seager landed. Of course, there weren't that, you know, I mean, it was a short uh, period of time to look at, but it's just something to take note of. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the real big thing there is, you know, number one, it's not a great 
spot hitting at the top of the Dodger lineups a lot better than hitting at the top of the Ranger lineup. Uh, you know, the new park the Rangers have has shown to be pretty pitcher friendly. Uh, it, it's a big ballpark. It's hard to hit the ball out there. So it's not like he's going to this crazy offensive environment that'll help make up uh, for the loss or for the, you know, sort of the loss of talent around him. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's annoying from, you know, for a lot of reasons. But I think the other thing to remember, and I'm glad you brought up the min and max picks because it only takes one draft and one person to set min and max picks. Right. So, um, I don't look at max picks very often. Um, especially because like, it there, it's hard to know exactly why a certain player went that long in that draft, mm-hmm. but I do look at min picks a lot, especially because like, that's generally telling me like, if I have to have a player, when do I need to take him by? And what's interesting is, and this is just a thought experiment. So bear with me for a second. It was 37 and now it's in the sixties. I wonder how many picks before landed between 37 and 60. Hmm. Right. We know that one was at 37 and that the ADP was not close to 37. Right. So what probably happens, we've got an outlier. We've probably got one person who just like loves Corey Seager. Could be. Yeah. Right. Could, could very well be. Yeah. Like the guy who had a locker next to him in high school kind of thing. <laughs> right. Like, that's like they want and that like that even impacts ADP. So the like it's not really a lesson, I guess, but just remembering that it doesn't take much to skew numbers, especially now. Mm-hmm. One person picking Corey Seager at 37 probably can adjust someone's ADP right now by a lot. Um, <clears throat> So you you don't see a ton of movement at the top because like even if Acuna slips, right, it doesn't go that far. You know, 10 picks or so. Mm-hmm. But with guys in the middle rounds, you'll see them slip for like two full rounds in the NFBC. And that's like 30 picks. So you will see like bigger variances. And it's just something to keep in mind. Look at that spread. How big is the spread between the min and the max? And how far is that min from the ADP? That'll often give you an idea of players that are maybe not volatile, but are, um, you know, there's people that just love them and people that hate them. Mondesi is the type of guy who always has a big split between his right. min and his ADP because mm-hmm. some drafts he just sits because nobody wants that risk, right. but it only takes one person because one, all one person has to do is believe that that player won't come back to them. One person, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably what happened with Seager. That person picking at 37 thought Seager won't come back to me and I got to have him. So yeah. just an interesting thing to think about when you're looking at these draft numbers, especially early one or two people can really mess with numbers. Yeah, yeah. Any other uh, signings track your attention? Byron Buxton getting that extension with the Twins for seven years. I tell you, you know, I really like the way that the Giants have been operating lately. They they've re-signed Anthony Disclafani and Alex Wood. We talked about it in a previous uh, podcast. Uh, if you look, Disclafani last season, twenty third best K minus walk rate at 60.3%, which is a real good indicator of how well a pitcher is performing. Yeah, they lost Kevin Gausman, but then they had this like under-the-radar kind of signing. They signed Alex Cobb to a two-year, $20 million contract. And Cobb went 8-3, and 3.76 ERA in 18 starts, uh, 93 in the third innings for the Angels uh, this past year. So it's those kind of like under-the-radar signings that the Giants do. And 
they kind of, to me, they, they seem to be an organization that just has a plan and, and knows what they're doing. Yeah, they've got the secret sauce, yeah. right? Like everything they touch turned to gold, including guys like Brandon Crawford. The production they got on Brandon Belt last year, like they, they've been really good with their hitting too. And that if you look at their roster, it is a hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. It is a bunch of 30 something year old guys that nobody wanted. Yeah, the island of misfit toys. Like, How they win 107 games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know who the, like Joey Bart right now is their youngest project, projected starter at 25. He's a catcher, but he wasn't starter for them last season. I have no idea who their youngest starter was last season, but it's, it's a bunch of old guys. Um, Brandon Crawford isn't even the oldest guy. He's almost 35. Right. Right. Cause Evan Longoria is 36. Like they, it, it's a weird roster. Um, so I, I like them. A, I like them a lot. I, I like that. They have that, that secret sauce. And it is something I think about in drafts sometimes late. Where I'm like, well, if the giants took a chance on a guy, why not? Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'll take a look, right. Everything else they're doing is good, right? Like I'm looking more at Tyler Beatty now than I ever was before. I'm looking more at Alex Cobb now more than I ever was before. Doesn't mean right. it's a lot, right. but it's more, right? Because they took other broken toys and made them great. Why can't they at least make Alex Cobb or Tyler Beatty interesting? Right? They don't even have to be good. They just have to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something I think they can do. So well, it'll be interesting to see how much longer they keep the secret sauce going. Right, right. Um, you know, that, that's really big. I think the last thing I'll say about the offseason and, you know, the way that it's progressing what I'm wondering about the most is so like the, the shortstops we knew were going to be like a big domino to fall. A lot of big name shortstops still two left, right? Story and Correa still out there. It'll be interesting to see where they go. There's all kinds of rumors out there. It'll be very interesting. Um, what's what struck me is there are a lot of power hitting corner infield and outfield in the free agent pool right now with Chris Bryant. Nick Castellanos, Freddie Freeman, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Nelson Cruz doesn't play a field position, but it's the same concept. Power hitter. Um, Eddie Rosario. Like all these guys still available. Sim- many of them similar types of players. They they do what they do different ways. Like the way Castellanos gets to his power numbers is a lot different than the way like Kyle Schwarber gets to his. Um, and you know, the underlying stats to go with it, like Schwarber's a big walk guy. Castellanos isn't They There are those, you know, there are those like twists for each player, but there's a bunch of them. And I am really curious to see how they get sort of sorted out. Mm. What domino falls first? Um, which one of them sits around? Uh, we, we see this pretty commonly with this type of player, this corner infield corner outfield. We also see it with closers one of them gets left out. Like it's musical chairs and one of them gets left out. It doesn't sign until the very end of the free agent, like right till the very end of spring training, or maybe not even then that'll happen to like one of these guys. Hmm. I'm not sure who it is yet, but one of them, maybe a guy like Conforto or Rosario. Mm -hmm. Although Rosario had the nice playoffs to like bring him a little bit more back in focus. Rizzo is another one who, who struggled a bit last year who might not be getting the contract he's looking for. You know, are the teams with money looking for a first baseman um, or would they rather go another route for first baseman? Cause there's a bunch of other ones. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, Freddie Freeman is a better choice. Chris Bryant could play first base. There's no reason Nick Castellanos could, couldn't play first base. Um, you know, Schwarber, obviously, they've put him at first base before. And really, the only one who can't is Nelson Cruz because I don't think he has a glove. <laughs> Didn't he play the field last year a couple of times for the Rays? I think, I think he might have played first base. Yeah, uh, and they probably I mean, yeah. They probably hoped it was a strikeout or a home run, right? right? They don't want that ball. They don't want anyone to throw it to him. They don't they don't want him fielding out there for God's sake. <laughs> they just need a guy to stand at the base. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if he where he played. Uh yeah, uh just one game. One game at first base for for the Rays, of course. Um so I'm going to just give you a couple questions and then we're going to move on. Where do you think Correa signs? I say he goes back to the Astros. I am. I'm going to say. Yankees or Tigers. Wow. I still believe in my Tigers making a big splash and they still could use help in the infield. Um, They could still use a guy like Correa. It's not like they're poor. They could absolutely do this. I think they're ready to go all in. And where does um, Story go? Trevor Story. Uh, Seattle, maybe? I mean, Seattle made sense to me as mm-hmm. well. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, the Astros went for something like that because mm-hmm. they're not if necessarily they trying to get it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they just need a guy for a little while longer, mm-hmm. right? They don't need a, a young guy to, like, sort of rebuild around, like maybe the Tigers do. The Astros are like, all right, we we lost a piece. We need to replace it. And so they could absolutely get Trevor story and lose basically nothing mm-hmm. like long-term. They probably do, but short-term they don't the next three to five years, like their window. I don't think they lose anything. So <clears throat> that, that makes the most, that makes the most sense to me. And of course the Mariners up and coming team, they could probably use them too. Yeah. They signed uh, Robbie Ray. So, I mean, they, you know, had a, Nice year last year and looking to build upon it. So we'll see. But it will be interesting. And Freddie Freeman, any chance you think that he's not going to sign him with the Braves? I mean, I think there is a very real chance. Um, this is already further than I thought this would go. Yeah. <laughs> but here we go. I mean, that's what's that's what's going on. I I guess he still could be not I mean I'm I'm very intrigued by this because he's he's a great player and I'm surprised that Atlanta let it get to this point. Mm-hmm. Yankees need a first baseman. If it's not him, could be Matt Olson and then Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo like you mentioned before, could be a fall fallback for him, but we'll see. It'll be very interesting. Um we'll take a quick break right now when we come back. We'll talk about a few players that I noticed that I want your opinion on uh, that has some uh, pretty good numbers from the Arizona Fall League. And we'll talk about them right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with 
with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. Joe Galina and Scott Chu, Hacks and Jacks. Uh, just wanted to take a quick look at a, a couple players from the Arizona Fall League. Get your opinion on them there, Scott. Do you follow the Arizona Fall League? Uh, usually I do. I did not follow it closely this year. Mm-hmm. I was super bummed I missed out on First Pitch Arizona, uh, <clears throat> which is always a great event. If anyone ever gets a chance, I, I definitely think you should go. Uh, but I usually do follow it just, you know, even just a couple of players. I, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things that happen there uh, are noise. It's mostly there for just scouting purposes, but mm-hmm. there are some interesting things that happen and it can give you some names to look at that maybe you'd never looked at before. Right. Well, one guy, uh, Bryson Stott, second base shortstop for the Phillies, 24 years old, got some power, some speed, uh, had some uh, good stats in limited AAA action, also had uh, a nice season in the Arizona Fall League. And there's whispers that, hey, you know, uh, D.D. Gregorius, the incumbent shortstop for the Phillies, had an off year last year. And if if he gets off to a a slow start, rumors that this guy Bryson Stott might have a shot at getting some playing time with the big uh, league club next year. I would be quite surprised uh, to see him put up like a lot of meaningful time, but I mean, it's not entirely unheard of for their former first round pick. I mean, he could play. I mean, I think that he could be a factor at some point uh, after he gets called up, but he's playing for probably less than half a season. Um, they probably, they'd probably much rather the DD Gregorius be useful, um, especially because they can't platoon it mm-hmm. right. Because Stott is also left-handed. So you can't just like platoon him with DD. You're basically going to use one or the other. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they do keep him down. What I like about Stott is, I mean, the same thing I like about not necessarily a lot of guys, but a lot of, a lot of players I do like hit tool. He's got hit tool, love players with a good hit tool. His is a future 55. That doesn't look like it's great. Especially when you look at people, you know, you see a lot of like raw power of 60 speed, 60. Why don't we see hit tool 60? We just don't because it's hard. Like, that's a, a major leaguer, you know, most like that's when you start really seeing a lot of 60 hit tools, right? Wander Franco's an Uber prospect because he had like a 70 hit tool. We just don't see that on future value. Um, but with Stott, we do, and we see some decent power as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, we haven't seen like the gaudy home run numbers in the minors and we didn't see him. I mean, he had a really small sample in AAA, like you mentioned, we didn't see him hit for a lot of power, but we did see him get on base. And I do love the play discipline in the minors, Right walks plenty um walks at least 10 percent of the time we've seen him walk is i mean in smaller samples like 95 plate appearances in in single a he walked 23 percent of the time which was just as much as he struck out even in his rough 10 game sample in triple a he still walked a ton he walked as much as he struck out he just couldn't find power yet i do think uh he can do that in triple a next year and if you start seeing him hit for power in triple a next year uh especially combined with maybe dd gregorius struggling Mm-hmm. that's really when 
your Bryson Stott alarm should start going off. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep them on your radar. Uh, Dave Dombrowski, uh, president of baseball operations for the Phillies. Maybe he's just trying to light something uh, under uh, D.D. Gregorius. But, you know, he kind of said that there is a shot. You know, he's going to have a shot uh, if he has a good spring. But uh, I see what you're saying. Um, but uh, eh, maybe just someone just to keep on our our radar uh, and our watch list. Here's another guy, and he's a paisan, Dominic Canzone outfielder for the Diamondbacks. Now, sometimes when, if I'm looking for a prospect who has a chance of getting some playing time, I look at the, the Diamondbacks or the Pirates, teams that really have nothing to lose but give their prospects a chance to play. You know, and They're not going to spend a ton in, in free agency. But you look at this guy, Dominic Canzone, uh, retooled his swing this past year so that he hit more balls in the air, got a little bit more aggressive at the plate, and it worked out for him. Uh, hasn't played above double a ball. So I'll give you that much. But if you look what he did, once he got to double a uh, 35 games, batting 354 had a, a real strong time in the Arizona fall league had a 319, 397, 507 triple slash. I just think that maybe he's somebody that as the season progresses and as the diamondbacks, I mean, they're not going to win a ton of games this year, but they might have an opening in the outfield position might get some at bats and, and might uh, do something. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of out, like there's well, not a lot, but there are some outfielders in the Arizona system, but like nobody really stands out. Like, I guess the only guys really ahead of him would be like, uh, Alec Thomas. Mm-hmm. Right. So Alec Thomas is, a you know, is a pretty well-regarded outfield prospect. He'd probably be coming up more. Uh, he'd probably be coming up quicker, uh, he's a former college guy, so he's ready a little quicker. He's, you know, he's left-handed. He's kind of, he's like weirdly small. He's mm. like 5'11", but he only weighs 175, young kid. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I did like what I saw. I like seeing lower K rates, like a sub 20% K rate is awesome. Uh, a 10% walk rate to go with it, also awesome. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the stats all stand out. He's really succeeded uh, well in almost every, like pretty much every stop he's been to. Right. Um, in yeah. 2019, he did well in rookie. He did well in low A. He came in 2021. He did well in high A. He's done well in triple A. Uh, I really like that kind of growth. You, you like seeing guys. Eventually, he is going to struggle. But I mean, I do think it's it's interesting. He's a guy that even in a deep, di- like in a very deep dynasty, like these 20 and 30 team dynasties, you know, you might be able to add while he's still out there because he might be. He's that type of player. He's not well, you know, he's not well known. Right. Um, he's older, he's 24. So, you know, that, that works out. Like he might be still available, but like in a, in a normal, like a 12 team dynasty league, this is just like a name. This should be marked down in your little notes as name. I've heard before you heard it today. And if we're talking about it again next year, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Juan Yepes Cardinals. First baseman, third baseman, outfielder. Obviously, Cardinals are uh, set at first base with Paul Goldschmidt and set at third base with Nolan Arenado. We talked about a potential universal DH in the NL. And, you know, this is a guy that might benefit from it. Had seven home runs in the Arizona Fall League. Held his own as he was promoted uh, last season. Uh, batted 270 in AA. When he got to AAA, batted 289. Overall, in the two leagues, 
uh, had 27 home runs in 111 games. Uh, like I said, had really a lot of success in the Arizona Fall League, made a, a lot of mechanical adjustments and worked out a lot with coaches in double and triple A, and it paid off for him. You know, like I said, Universal DH, this guy might have a chance of getting some big league at-bats this year. Uh, also a guy that uh, was a Cardinal that was uh, in the Arizona Fall League, Lars Newtbar, who also had uh, some uh, big league experience last year. But I, I don't know. I, I think that Yepes could leapfrog over him. So uh, we'll see. We'll just keep him on our radar at this point. Yeah, I actually do think he could be he could be up pretty early if they get the DH, right? Um, he's another guy that that plays like corner infield, corner outfield, um, which means on one hand, there are a lot of spots. On the other hand, there aren't any spots on this team. Um, it's almost sort of like a problem that, you know, they've had this problem in the past uh, where they just have, they have more players than they have spots. So the DH is, is a big deal, right? Um, that'll let them rotate these guys in and out between O'Neill, Carlson, um, you know, Harrison Bader to an extent, he's a center fielder, so he doesn't necessarily, you know, rotate with these guys as much Goldschmidt and Arenado. Um, you can find off day enough off days for them to mm-hmm. potentially see Juan Yepes be impactful. He's not like a draft guy. He's just another of like, I've heard this name. If mm-hmm. I hear he gets called up, I should pay attention to that. Yeah. And obviously the cards uh, think enough of him. He actually was on the 40-man roster for their wild card game. Obviously didn't see any action. But uh, yeah, like I said, just keep him on your radar. Last guy I'll, I'll bring up is uh, Red Sox prospect Tristan Cassis. Uh, first baseman, third baseman, six foot five, 250 pounds uh, of muscle. Killed it in the uh, Arizona Fall League. Batted 372 and led the league with a 495 OBP. Before that, uh, he led uh, Olympians with eight RBI and tied for the lead with three home runs in the Olympics as well. A real student of the game, uh, and despite his natural power abilities, he isn't consumed with hitting home runs, right? He knows that as long as he keeps working on becoming a complete hitter, the home runs will come. And uh, you look at the Red Sox, I mean, if they don't bring back Kyle Schwarber, uh, who supposedly they have some interest in still bringing him back, but you know, might get tired of waiting on Bobby Dalbeck to really fulfill his potential. So Cassis could see some action in the big leagues this season. Yeah, and Cassis has a much better hit tool upside mm-hmm. than um than Dalbeck ever will. Right. They they are similar in the power department and they're not going to like run ever. Uh but um I like Cassis a lot more just because the plate discipline is so good. Mm-hmm. Strikeouts just aren't the same kind of problem for him, right? I mean, he kept a 19% strikeout rate the entire year, which was, you know, 371 plate appearances between the two levels. I think that if he came up now, he'd be a decent hitter mm-hmm. now. Um, I don't think they'll bring him up quite yet, but the fact that he's been to AAA means he probably will see some time. The question is just how much of it. Uh, and again, like I, I love seeing, I mean, this was really a breakout season for him in that he was already regarded as a prospect, but to see the, the drop strikeout rates and the elevated walk rates, that's really what, um, you know, that's what, that's, what's really doing it for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm loving to see is, is that combo because that combo can survive right. Dahlbeck's combo of low hit tool, like lots of strikeouts. Yes. He walks a lot, but because he strikes out so much, um, he's just 
there's too many holes in that swing. He's easy to take advantage of. Cassis, big guy, but does a much better job reading the strike zone, a better job covering up the holes in his swing. So I, I'm excited about him, and I think he eventually he just like supplants Dahlbeck. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. just a better version. They're both big left-handed power hitting guys, but Cassis is better. Right. In just about every way. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that slams uh, the lid on things for today. Scott just wanted to have a quick visit. Uh, our next show should drop on December 23rd, just before Christmas. Uh, and we hope that the owners give us a present, unlock the doors, and let their players back in. <laughs> we'll see until then. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Joe Galena. Follow my buddy Scott at If the Chew Fits. You could follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a nice review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on December 23rd. And in the meantime, happy everything, everyone. And we'll see you next time. 